0: Hey guys, welcome back to episode number two of the Brand Is Demand podcast and oh my god, I literally could not be more excited to share this episode with you guys today because On today's episode, I am going to be sitting down with the head of brand advertising at Amazon Business. And this guy, Rick Bowie, I hope I've said his name right. I'm sure he'll correct me if I haven't. But this guy is an absolute stone cold killer when it comes to everything that is, you know, demand gen, the new way of doing B2B marketing, you know, we're not talking the 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 kind of classic traditional you know lead generation model you know this guy gets brand okay you'll you'll kind of hear him referencing you know Burger King and always you know always going back to the fundamentals okay he gets the fundamentals unlike a lot of you know b2b marketers nowadays who are always talking about you know the data the softwares right the you know the the HubSpot attribution report he gets it okay this guy he understands the fundamentals as well as understanding you know all of that which is you know obviously very important but the key with rick is that he understands marketing at like the most granular level okay so like i said i really i I could not be more excited to share this episode he's like i said stone cold killer when it comes to demand gen everything b2b marketing the new way of doing b2b marketing and so without further ado let's dive into Hey guys, welcome back to the Brand Is Demand podcast. Today we have Rick join with us. Rick, how you doing? Good, Joe. How are you? I am doing. I'm doing super, super well. Now, Rick, before we kind of dive into you know dive into the main kind of you know part of the podcast, just give the audience you know uh, and something that I'd be you know really interested. In, I'm sure the audience would as well. Is how how does one even become the head of brand advertising at a company as uh, as, as mammoth as Amazon? Right? How does that, where, where did your journey start in the world of, you know, B2B? Was it B2C first? You know, give give the audience a quick rundown.
1: Yeah, I I, um, I actually started an agency, agency world. So I uh, was doing um, uh, B2B, working on B2B campaigns for Microsoft. Um, nice. And yeah, I, I really, out of college, I, I knew I wanted to go to business school. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and it was one of those, uh, Moments where I took an advertising course and loved it, and so that kind of set me set me off on that path, and and then you know going out of school into agency. What I tell people is that was that was boot camp, um, and it, it really helped me grow immensely uh, professionally and, and personally. And so, mm. um, but you know, it set set me down the path to 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 do a bunch of different stuff in marketing and and. I'm happy to 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 still have a focus on advertising because it's a a space I I feel mm. pretty passionate about
0: got it so have you have you always been b2b um or is have you kind of switched different roles you know b2c and and and, and if so I'm i yeah. curious to know you know which is your which is your kind of preferred you know style
1: i i would say i've got more i've spent more time in b2b but i also okay. uh, i spent 3 or 4 years uh focused on uh, B2C emails for Gap and Old Navy, Banana Republic. Um, so, so definitely, definitely have got, got some good time in that space, but yeah, I've, I've done a lot. I've done a lot looking back. I've done a lot within the B2B space.
0: Awesome. I love it. Okay. Okay. Um, now, you know, so obviously the, 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 kind of aim of this podcast is to, is to really kind of hit on, you know, I, I, I'm sure you've seen this as well. There's, there's really been a bit of a shift. You know over the i'd say the last kind of three five years you know longer than that but really where we've seen it is the last three five years you know the shift in how companies are now thinking about you know driving demand and what demand really means and you know i just think really the the overall importance now that brand has um, across you know lots of b2b companies and, and and how that's really now becoming the backbone right for how they're kind of thinking about driving demand you know with within their teams and you know and kind of within the company so Something that I'd love to ask as a as a first question and to kind of hear your thoughts on is, you know, what would you say is like the biggest misconception between, you know, brand and, and kind of how brand and demand kind of come together? You know, what's what's the biggest misconception from your perspective that that, that kind of goes around in the kind of demand space about how you should be driving demand and, and just I guess what demand gen really means?
1: Yeah, I I um it's a good question. It's one I've I've been Focusing on quite a bit of late, um, and, and thankful, thankful to be able to tap into certainly experts in the space on LinkedIn who, who speak about this quite a bit. But I think most marketers fall into the, the trap that um, leadership or finance sets mm-hmm. in terms of like this is what brand is, this is what demand is, um, and it's hard to it's hard to get out of that. Uh, because it is your day to day, but you know, really, I subscribe to. The, I mean, I don't think really it's up for debate, but everything is brand. Yeah. Um. So you know, every every customer interaction, every customer experience, mm-hmm. is a point in time for your brand to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um. I think it's a matter of you know, brand versus demand is more thinking about. The funnel and the customer journey, and in understanding um, the different points in time and the different uh, um, you know expectations that you you should have for your customer on their journey, and then you know how you measure those things in relative to each other. So measuring something in the same way, upper funnel versus mid lower funnel, you know it's not apples to apples. Um, So I think there's, I think there's a lot of conversation um, and it's not just, you know, I think a lot of this falls on marketers to do a better job, frankly, at setting proper expectations, educating, but also having, um, you know, maybe a little more business acumen to understand how they can work with their finance partners and leadership team to, you know, earn their trust and, and, and measure uh, because certainly just because you're focused on air quotes, brand marketing doesn't mean you shouldn't be measuring.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um,
1: but, you know, there, is, there are differences in terms of the expectations that mm-hmm. those types of tactics or, or channels should return.
0: Yeah, and I guess one, one kind of follow-up question from that, and I guess something that I, I see this all the time on LinkedIn at the minute from different, you know, thought leaders in the space, it's, it always comes up and it's, you know, how, how do we now measure these new kind of brand You know, again, air quotes, brand marketing activities. You know, whether it's podcasting, you know, because you, you, I think we've obviously from the dawn of time now, when we think about B two B marketing, it's been this like MQL, you know, hamster wheel of that's always typically been the the kind of general model of measurement, right? So how, I guess, how is how is measurement changing? And you know, for something like a podcast how, how, what, what are some, what are some of the key kind of leading metrics that you should be looking at? You know, is it from like a branded search perspective, you know, how, how has that measurement yeah. changed and, and what are some of the key metrics?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I do, I, I try to balance this, uh, you know, measuring as much as possible versus not getting overboard. Um, mm. But, you know, I do think as a marketer, you need to, you need to measure, um, you know, either leading metrics or or understand how your channels are impacting bottom line. And again, that that will be different channel by channel. So something like MQL, mm. you absolutely can measure against revenue. Yeah. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of teams are set up and gold against driving. A specific number of MQLs, and I'm not against having a goal of driving a specific number of MQLs because I think, you know, goals drive behavior. But also, I think mm. just because you have a a goal doesn't necessarily mean, uh, shouldn't be indicative of quality. So, you know, you have a goal to drive a number of MQLs, but you also need to work with your sales team to actually have a bar, mm. a quality bar, to get to that point. And so, and like I've done in my past where um, we had a really high bar, didn't hit our goal, that's fine. Yeah. But what, you know, I was able to show is that I didn't stop at measuring. I didn't stop the measurement at the MQL metric. Okay. I actually followed it down the line. So I could see that my MQLs were actually making the sales team more productive because they were launching, they were closing the deals faster.
0: With you.
1: And there was, you know, you follow it down to revenue and you can see, um, you know, that's a, great, that's a great way for you to evaluate the sources of your leads in your MQLs. So, for mm-hmm. example, I've shown in my past that, um, you know, Google versus, say, LinkedIn yeah. is always going to drive more leads, it's always going to be cheaper, the volume is going to be higher, etc. And so, uh, you know, which at face value versus LinkedIn, which is face value, that, that means something. But in my experience, when you follow it down the path, and, and, and down to a revenue, a revenue number, LinkedIn was actually driving per deal close, driving a higher revenue. Interesting. So, you know, that is, that is one way that marketers should be evaluating the sources, hmm. uh, their channels is, you know, what are they, what are they actually contributing? Um, and you know, and so something like a podcast, I mean, like, you know, that's different. Um, I think, I think you need to, and, and with podcasts, I mean, you can do it so cheap these days. I mean, it it requires a, you know, a, a couple of programs and a mic, right? It's not, yeah. you're, it, it doesn't need to be, or doesn't have to be of an expensive endeavor, but you know, the things I would think about are more, how are you using that content? How are you? How are you slicing and dicing it? It can, you know, a podcast can be, it doesn't just have to be a podcast. It can be on YouTube. It could be clip. It could be clips on your social channel. It could be on your website. It could be used in email programs to your customers or prospects. Um, and so, understanding the the amount of usage you're getting out of it, I think, is important. Um, and then, um, you know, I do think from an audience standpoint if you can understand who your demographics are, that's important. And, and, you know, I think that's the, the who's listening to your podcast and if they're actually a target or relevant to what you're trying, if you're trying to sell, potentially sell them feel like that's maybe more important than getting a huge audience. Um, so every channel, I think every channel is a little bit different, but it just, in general, I do think marketers should, should try their best to find either metrics that, directly aligned to bottom line or are leading indicators to mm-hmm. down funnel? so like you said search volume traffic etc
0: got it got it that makes that makes perfect sense um, and i think again this this may be quite an obvious answer um but why why don't you think that marketers don't follow it down the funnel why don't they track it to revenue you know why are they not quite fully aligned with the sales team again maybe may quite an obvious answer there but what what are some things that, that you think about
1: well i mean in my experience it comes mm-hmm. down to tools and capabilities mm-hmm. um, can you actually get that granular with your data mm-hmm. a lot of people can't yeah um you know because it's it's that you've got you likely have you're using a bunch of different systems, different tools, different ways of reporting, and they don't always talk to each other or it's super manual and all that. So that's mm-hmm. that's a big thing. And then I think the second honestly is 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 goals. So I, I'm I'm a big fan of goals, but I also am a um healthy skeptic in the sense that again, goals drive behavior. Mm-hmm. So um that's where you need to have that's where some of this alignment conversation comes into play with you know it's it's the the trendy thing is to talk about sales and marketing, but there's also marketing and product relationships and there's other things like that that you know goals goals can help mm-hmm. bring alignment they can also create um, you know they can create um, disalignment. I guess. Um, and, and again, they form behavior. So if, if I'm a product manager and I have a goal of adoption for a product, Mm -hmm. I'm going to do everything I can to hit that goal. And as a marketer, I've had this conversation several times as a marketer, uh, it's my job to, to put the customer experience first and, you know, say, sorry, product manager, uh, no, we're not going to email our customers every week with the same email about using this product that we're not providing a benefit for. So, yeah. you know, there's it's it's a it's a it's a tool systems, but and I also think it's a goal it's a goal conversation.
0: Yeah, and and, and finding a goal that makes sense for both parties, right? Not just having one single yeah. goal that only makes sense like to the product that makes that makes sense that makes sense. And I guess the the other. The other side of this as well is, and there's probably a lot of, you know, whether it's marketing managers, you know, VPs of marketing, you know, head of paid, them kind of roles, you know, people listening right now that are saying, well, I wanna start a podcast, right? I wanna start doing these things that are not necessarily the easiest thing to track, right? I, you know, I, I wanna do something that I know is, you know, really gonna start hitting on that kind of more brand, brand style marketing. Um, but I'm struggling to convince, you know, my CMO or my CFO because, you know, they just don't see the value in it, or they don't see the immediate short-term value in it, right? So how, how can someone listening right now who is maybe working in the company like that, apart from just saying leaving the company, right? How do you, how do you, you know, think about kind of getting that internal buy-in, uh, you know, from the CMO or that kind of C level for, for doing these you know, types of activities?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think in in many cases the best evidence is data so uh and i know this is easier said than done but find ways to test and learn Mm -hmm. um find ways to you know again talk about leading metrics a little bit but find you know find ways to, to whatever your situation is find ways that to test and learn that and, and, and create hypothesis that you believe will lead to X, Y, and Z if it's yeah. applied in another way. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, hopefully I know this isn't always the case, but you know, as a, as a leader, a, a good leader should empower their team to mm-hmm. do, to test and learn, yeah. um, to support them in doing that. and And then, you know, Evaluate um, based on the data that they see, and based on their customers, and if it if it's the right journey for, or the right you know um, customer experience. So yeah. it's just you know I I I, I can relate. I, I've been in situations like that plenty of times where it's you know it's either because someone doesn't understand, they don't believe, um, you know, and and really based from what I've seen the in my experience getting some data getting anecdotes getting customer insights is the best way to to kind of um, convince uh, Mm -hmm. folks like that that you know we can we can take a risk or we can you know we can try something new um, and, and you know if you can find ways to do it at a you know on a small scale and then grow it over time you know that your leaders are going to potentially be more willing to do that versus than Mm -hmm. versus spending a a bunch of money up front with without knowing exactly what it's going to do
0: got it that makes sense that makes sense yeah i think again i think it's a really important kind of you know a really important point there of not trying to just do everything right on day one and not trying to roll out you know five different whether it's podcasts or whatever. And like you said, starting small, you know, testing it for, you know, 30 to 90 days and then having some kind of tangible, like you said, data, you know, evidence points that you can go and show and be like, look, this is what happened. Right. And I think a lot of the time, like, you know, with, with, with the power of podcasting today, you can start the podcast, you know, on just your own personal LinkedIn, right. It doesn't have to be a kind of company podcast, if you like, it can be something that you can start, you know, on your own and you can actually use that to go and take, you know, to the CMO and, and, you know, kind of evidence like, like you said. So yeah, really, really good point. Um, yeah. And I,
1: I think also the hardest part too, for marketers is doing that is setting proper expectations, you know, yeah. like, a a podcast doing your first podcast is probably not going to drive a bunch no. of purchases or registrations. Right. So mm. what are, what is, what are proper expectations that will tell you that you're doing the right thing? Um, you know, that's, that's where it's, it, it's hard. For, it's, I think it's hard for a lot of people. Um, it, it, it makes the process harder up front to, to really set proper expectations and define these things. But when you do get results, it's going to make those conversations about scaling a lot easier when you've, when you've gone through that effort of aligning, truly aligning with, Whoever it is your leadership team, your finance team on what this will actually do and yeah. what, what you believe it will do, and mm-hmm. if you're wrong, you know well, you're wrong you've, you've, you've tested, you've learned, you know maybe there's things that you 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 can apply to the next iteration, maybe you find out now this seems like a dud, or maybe it's a huge win that you know you want to invest a bunch of money into.
0: agreed, agreed, yeah test and learn and then, and, and figure out what works quick. I agree. Cool. So, you know, as, as a kind of wrap-up question, something that you know, again, for those listening right now who are, you know, let's say they've they've got a they've got a strong leadership team, right? The CMO is very on board, um, but they're, you know, maybe, maybe they're a new company, so you know, less than ten people, and they're just starting to kind of think about implementing, I guess, some of, and I, you know, I, I keep calling it brand activities because a lot of this is you know, when, I, when I refer to things that are kind of brand activities, I, I think more podcasting and things that are slightly less kind of tangible in terms of how you can measure them. Um, so what, what advice would you have for you know, a new company, whether it's a new team that are kind of testing the waters, if you like, and, and how, how should they be thinking about um, just better ways of driving demand? right? And and how should they be thinking about brand and and kind of how that integrates with the, with, you know, with with what they're doing on the demand gen side?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is maybe a cop out a little bit here, but I think at the end of the day, it's, it's about knowing your customer (laughs) and doing the right things for your customer. So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, that's honestly where I, I think a lot of people, a lot of marketers, well, it's not just a marketer. I think a lot of people within any given business struggle with that and not fully understanding who their customers are. Um, and certainly, from a marketing standpoint, it's important that you do. Uh-huh. Um, it's important you understand uh, their pain points, what they're looking for, their aspirations. You know how you how your product or service can fit within that and 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 really make their lives ideally make their lives better. Um, uh-huh. So you know, I think that to me that's the biggest thing. was like if you're starting out, it, regardless if you're starting out or you're a, you're a mature company, you know, knowing your customer, knowing how they're evolving, you know, and evolving your marketing uh, around that. Um, yeah. And and really, you know, I would say especially for for someone starting out or for businesses starting out, the some of the basic rules of marketing or advertising or maybe even more so important around like you know keep mm-hmm. it simple keep it simple Agreed. um make it easy for someone to understand who you are what you do um you know don't don't try to don't try to overwhelm someone with a lot of information you know and 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 things around you know finding finding your personality where's your niche what's your story how can people relate to it You know, more so thinking about the, how do you stand out from potentially a sea of other companies just like you? Um, And then, you know, how how can you, the one-on-one of advertising, it's, you know, like people need to connect with what you're doing at some level, at some sort of emotional level. And so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that. but really to do that, you you need to have an immense focus on the customer and understand Mm -hmm. what resonates with them. Um, in order to do that,
0: makes sense. Makes sense. And I guess so. Once you know we've we've got to start up. Let's say theoretically that you know they do the weekly customer calls, right? They're very, you know, the marketing team is very in touch with what set, you know, with what sales is is kind of doing in terms of on the customer calls. They've got the notes. They're close to the customer, right? How? And I, I know we kind of talked about this a little bit in our kind of pre-call. Um, how does how does creativity? Because I'm at the minute I'm quite Kind of fascinated by how how the, the difference I think creativity and like storytelling can make, in especially in a B two B sense where traditionally it's quite boring, it's quite dull, right? Like how and, and maybe some examples as well of, of of how creativity and storytelling can come into it, and and how you should be thinking about that as a you know start B two B company. I,
1: I mean, I think it's everything. Um, mm. It's it, it really i would say most marketing most advertising is is or like or missing the point um missing the mark um you know again i think it's a lot i think a lot of companies have gotten away from the basics yeah. of marketing the basics of advertising uh we we overcomplicate things um because we feel like we have to or it's like maybe that's a natural thing um So, you know, I I do, uh, yes, you know, I think think companies that there's a sea of boring out there, there's a sea of um, everything looks the same. And so businesses that can stand out with, you know, from uh, a creative standpoint, uh, you know, businesses that have a personality to them, like those are, those are things that can be unique to them, whether they are, whether they they have products and services that are, you know, if they've got 20 competitors, yeah. it's your, your personality, the unique, the uniqueness of your brand, the creativity, uh, is really important. And so, you know, it's yeah. like, think, think insurance companies, they yeah. all sell the same damn thing. There's nothing different, Yeah. but they all have distinct brands yes. and approaches and you know a lot of them rely on like mascots and things like that but it helps them mm. cre- you know create their own space. Um and so um so I think it's important. I think it's really important and um and mm-hmm. finding your voice and you know and again that personality. A couple of examples that that I continue to be impressed with. Um so, on a smaller level, companies like Drift, I think, have done a great job. Uh, I mean, granted, they really kind of were like category creators, but they also have done a great job with their branding and the creativity around them, around it, and and their, their personality. Um, from a B2C standpoint, the obvious that I think everyone has now kind of <laughs> caught on to is Burger King. Um, yeah. They, I was at, I was at Ad Week last year, Ad- Advertising Week last year, and the, uh, Fernando, the CMO, was talking about how you know, Burger King is. I think at the time he said they were mm-hmm. the sixth largest, um, sixth largest media spender within the fast food space, yeah. and it wasn't. They weren't even close to like McDonald's, who was number one. And so, for Burger King, they view creativity as a competitive advantage. Yeah. so they find you know and to quote him he said we keep our briefs simple they're often the objective is often one sentence and what that does is it allows their creative partners to have full license to think of the craziest things and mm-hmm. you know to quote him we like ideas that scare the shit out of us so yeah. you know they have that that that's kind of within who they are, this idea of creativity and you see that manifest itself within the campaigns they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last one I'll say um that I, I just I, I'm a little biased in, in the in the sense that I, I used to work there, but I, I really not in a marketing capacity. But um I've been really impressed with what Salesforce mm-hmm. has done over the years. And I don't I don't like all of their collateral, all of their advertising, but like just who they are as a brand, I think they've done a really good job creating their, their space. I've said this to a few people. I almost to me think Salesforce now owns blue. Like blue is typically a B2B color. Every time I see yeah. blue, I think a Salesforce. Um,
0: yeah, I agree.
1: So they've, they've just done a good job creating, like they look, they look different. Mm than any other B2B company. And I don't think, you know, what, as, a, why, as a B2B why, marker. Yeah. yeah.
0: What, why, why do you think that is? Cause I think a lot of people would just, that's where people get confused. So why do you think they, they look different? Is it just literally how they branded themselves? Like how, why is that?
1: That's a big part of it. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the fonts they use. It's the, it's the, you know, their theme is, is like national parks. Mm, yeah. Um, so it's the, it's the designs they do. It's the little caricatures they have, um, you know, it's, it's playful. The Einstein. Right? Um, yeah. The Einstein. So, um, but I don't think, you know, I think a, a lot of B2B marketers, it's commonplace to talk about, like, we don't want to look B2C, which I don't know. I mean, I think that's a bit ridiculous, honestly, but um I think you know is this whole idea of and maybe it, it maybe it's a balance of looking professional. I don't know. I don't know. There, yeah. there might be more into that that goes into it. But mm-hmm. um, I think Salesforce has just done a good job of really distinguishing themselves amongst. Agreed. Um, certainly, like <laughs> if you if you look at them compared <laughs> to Oracle, I mean, you know, mm-hmm. one company is in the is in the 2000s and the other is not. <laughs> yeah Um, Yeah. so yeah so anyway so it's just a couple examples of companies that I've been I've been kind of uh, uh, fascinated by over the last year or so Mm. Mm.
0: I think it's I think it's as well just before we kind of wrap up I think it's interesting as well because I think it's maybe typically, I think maybe some B2B marketers perhaps look at companies like Drift. You know, they look at companies like Salesforce, who I guess really spearheaded the the kind of category, right? So look at Drift, you know, it was uh, yep. chatbots and that, you know, that whole play, you know, Salesforce CRMs. And I think it's it's sometimes easy to just think, oh, well, they created a category, you know, they were... They were category creators, right? We're we're just another company in a you know in a in a, in a large pond, right? And I think sometimes it's it's um maybe it's a, it's a it's a harder mindset to get out of when you're just another company starting in quite a loud category. Um and I think kind of having that kind of you know category creation mindset mm-hmm. of even if you are in quite a big pond, you know, still thinking about how you can almost go off and create your own tiny pond. Right, and 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 try and think of that kind of mindset because it seems to always be the category creators that that seem to do the best with branding. You know, maybe that's just what I've seen, but it it, that that seems to be the case. Um, You know, particularly in a in a B two B model.
1: Well, and maybe there, you know, there might be you know, because a couple thoughts in the sense of like, well, yes, you've created a category, but Mm. you're going to have six other competitors probably in your space within the next year or two years, so um, you know, it, it will get. Crowded quickly, um, but I don't know. Maybe there's something within the mentality of I'm creating something new, yeah. so I'm I'm a little more willing to be. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm willing to be a little edgier or have more personality or more creative uh, with my brand. Mm-hmm. So I don't know.
0: No, I agree. I agree. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, look, Rick, I have had a, a really, really interesting conversation. It's been, it's been super awesome to have you on. I'm sure the audience will, you know, really value kind of your insights and, and kind of value, you know, everything that you've kind of had to say. So look, really do appreciate you coming on. I know you're probably super busy, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. It's great chatting with you, Joe. Awesome. So guys, I hope you've really enjoyed this episode and I will see everyone on the
1: next episode of the brand is demand podcast. See you later.